Welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. It's been about four months since Russia invaded Ukraine, and churches around the world are still asking, what can we do? This is not a passive question for congregations in Europe. The answer shows itself at each country's borders. It's estimated that more than 6 million Ukrainians have been displaced and scattered throughout the continent, including Poland, Romania, Belarus, and Italy. And today we hear the story of one church's mission to help those who have fled their homes in Ukraine. Rob Krauss, pastor of Serenissima Ministries in Acts 29 Church in Italy, that is currently hosting refugees from Ukraine, joins us on the Acts 29 podcast today. Robert and his wife Sandy have been church planners in the area for more than 20 years. Robert, welcome to the Acts 29 podcast. Hey, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here with you. What would be a good, uh, proper Italian greeting? Uh, well, buongiorno, of course. And, there we go. Uh, it's, uh, or depending where you are, buonasera, if it's the evening. And uh, uh, that, that, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get us started. Well, buongiorno. Uh, yeah. Buongiorno. Well, there we go. Welcome to the podcast. We, we have much to talk about. Um, so much is on our hearts and minds as we think about the war over there and uh, what is, is happening to to people all uh, that are f- fleeing Ukraine and where they're headed and how you guys are serving. And so before we dive into that, I think listeners are being introduced to you from all around the world and, and here in the North America, here in the United States. And so maybe, Rob, if you could tell us just a little bit about Serenissima Ministries and your role as a pastor there. I could try my Italian accent again, but I, I just don't <laughs> think it would be as good as yours. I know it won't be. So Serenissima Ministries in uh, your role there. You got it. Yeah, that's really good. You hear the word serenity or mm. uh, serenity in there. And serene, serenissima, the, the word is probably the best Italian word for the word shalom. Uh, and it is a, it's a Venetian word and very historical. But it's a group of ministries that we planted and helped to plant in the north of Italy. And then to support uh, the healthy planting of other ministries across Italy and in other European countries uh, as well. Uh, we founded uh, Serenissima Ministries 25 years ago, and then our children were both born and raised here. Uh, we all became dual citizens some years ago, and then our church developed into an intercultural and multinational church about 12 years ago due to all the immigration that was happening in our regions uh, throughout Italy. Mm. So now my role is more of pastoring and teaching, discipling, planting, and helping where I can with the networks out here to see God's kingdom advance. Wow. So. Yeah, it's wonderful, keeps, man. Keeps me busy. Lots of hats. Yeah. So how, how far are you from Rome? From Rome, uh, it's about five and a half hour drive. From Venice, we're about 45 minutes. So okay. just north of Venice, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I need to do. I need to fly into Venice, and, yeah. uh, not Rome, and then come visit you guys and go on the cheese tour and all that <laughs> stuff. My, my wife would love that. Yes, yes, and the accompanying wines are also suggested. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, I mean, it, Italy is, you guys are doing a lot for everything that's happening to the war in Ukraine and the refugees there. And so right now you guys are receiving refugees from Ukraine. How, how did this all begin? So um, after we saw that massive rush of people, you probably saw the pictures too, of people just um, piling into the trains and fleeing as fast as they could, uh, we realized it wasn't going to take very much time at all for them to find their ways more to the stable countries in Europe like Germany, Italy, France, and others. So 
uh, we, we instantly began planning and figuring out what are we looking at? What's the projection of this? And one of the contacts, uh, we, we had a contact through a church member uh, that was in Romania, and their ministries began to fill up. Uh, their churches kind of gathered together and, and they started to open their churches, of course. And, and you hear this story in Poland and Hungary, especially on those border countries and also in Romania. And that started to make that southern corridor. And they began to request of their contacts if anybody could receive refugees at their ministry. Uh, so uh, our church member gathered together a group from our church. They rented a number of vans. And they took a bunch of supplies, and then they drove all the way up there into northern Romania, and gathered uh, 20-some uh, Ukrainians that were ready to ready to flee, uh, because their their facilities were just just packed, overrun, to side by side uh, with people. And um, as they brought them back, our original ideas then were that we were going to be a link in the chain. There would be a corridor happening from Romania all the way down. And we would kind of be the first to host them because we're up in the Northeast uh, as okay. they would come down. And then we'd keep them for 10, 15, 20 days and then maybe distribute them around Italy or around other countries uh, in Europe. But it didn't work out that way at all <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, mm -hmm. First, we quickly realized that uh, we were not going to be a pass-through ministry, uh, but rather we needed to actually help them settle and then for a number of them to start all over because they had lost their homes, their businesses. And even through the time they stayed here, many of those uh, properties have been bombed and shelled and uh, they've lost all of that. So our ministry began to take on a much more holistic and uh, um, a much more involved approach because it would mean that we wouldn't be receiving the numbers that we had originally thought where we thought, okay, we'll bring 50 in every two weeks or three weeks and then keep moving that way, but rather that we would need to do well with the people who came. Uh, we would need to care very deeply and very well for them and uh, really start to treat them as family and so that they could become family with us. Uh, now, to do this, we, we recognized that God had blessed us with the facilities that we had just finished an industrial kitchen in our property in January. Oh, and wow. then the next month, Putin invades. So it was almost like God was holding him off, saying, Rob's almost got that kitchen done, so just wait. You know? and, <laughs> and that allows us to be able to feed them. And then we had showers built into our property. And then we have been able to make uh, makeshift dormitories. So our facilities were able to house them because we just didn't know how long we were going to take uh, right. to, to, to care for them uh, like we had originally thought. Um, and then we realized um, that once they come, they really don't want to move farther down the line. And they, they just want to stay. They want to settle. Uh, they want to stay as close, of course, to the border as you would because they, their, their thought was any day now this will be over even though our projections that we were receiving was this could last for some time. So mm. uh, so our church was able to do that. But a number of our churches and church plants in Italy, however, are much smaller or younger. And they just don't have the resources or the facilities or the capacity to do the full-time care uh, that's needed to help the people to get their lives started over. Uh, remember, these folks had to pack their bags in 30 minutes and run for their lives. 
And then they come to a place where they don't speak the language and they don't know how things work and they don't know how long they're going to actually stay. Uh, so there's so many questions already front loaded on this as they're arriving uh, that we had to take care of that. So to be honest, it was very rough uh, for the first couple months. We were extremely exhausted, absolutely um, stressed. Uh, thousands of text messages and trying to coordinate things uh, in our ministry. And after we realized that we were going to be a full care ministry, we overestimated um, how much our regional and our local governments were prepared and also ready to help and work with us. So they started to give us a lot of promises and they even called us uh, to help them care for people uh, and to sort out situations that they were experiencing in um, in the in the prefecture, the prefect. Um, about a month into the whole process, a local representative basically called me on the phone and said, look, we don't have the capacity to help you. And so you guys, you're going to have to realize you're on your own. And uh, that was like a ton of bricks uh, because we said, now what do we do? <laughs> um, in fact, one of the occasions we had the opportunity to send our entire group of our first 25 or so refugees up to a facility, a government facility, about 30 minutes away to be cared for. But after two or three weeks, the people just begged us with tears uh, to come back uh, because they said that our church was like a family to them. And see, they were cared for institutionally, but they weren't loved. And it was the love that was making all the difference in their lives. And so they just pled, they just pled with us and begged with tears. So we uh, said, okay, let's bring you back. Now, that's what we overestimated. Uh, but we underestimated how many people that we could handle and just how many needs and requests that they would have. And just to be honest about our, you know, our ministry, what we, could take, yeah. what we could take on. And you just can't know those things until the people are sitting right in front of you, until they're asking right. you questions hour after hour and the needs that they have. So... Those were things that uh, required a learning curve. <laughs> and that's how it all began. It's amazing. Hey, listeners, Jeff Metters here, Director of Assessment for Acts 29. And I wanted to let you know that you are all invited to this year's Acts 29 North America Conference taking place in beautiful Denver, Colorado, October 3rd through 5th. Matt Chandler is speaking, Jen Wilkin is speaking, Tony Marita is speaking, Brian Howard, and many more. So be sure to head to acts29.com slash NAC22 for more. And so what what are some of the things um, that you guys are doing in a little bit more detail that y'all are doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, to these refugees? Yeah, I you know, I just want to praise the Lord first because Jesus really has uh, used the hands and feet of our people. And it's just a blessing to be able to um, boast in the Lord in the congregation that's been out here and the other supporting churches around us. For our first month, we had over 75 volunteers from our church and a few from the local community who spoke Russian and wanted to help. And it was wonderful. And there, there are a few less now because uh, we've had to streamline our coordination and our logistics and assistance, but still... So many of our people are serving right alongside of these folks so that they can become their friends and also uh, meet their needs uh, and become family. And um, you just you just live with them. I, uh, to be honest, Jeff, I have never eaten more borscht in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I've, and, I've uh, never had it. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I've had it too much. <laughs> I've just had so much of it. Uh, I've, I'm coming to love it. Uh, so... 
what we did at first is we prepared our church congregation in a couple of ways. First, I asked our people, please refrain from using the word and calling them refugees because there's such a stigma about that word. I don't know in the different areas where our listeners are um, ministering, but out here there is. And it, it's almost like a secondary, a second class or a secondary human kind of word, and, and it's um, denigrating. And so I said, let's call them our Ukrainian friends or our special Ukrainian guests. So the folks have done really well with that. And then we also shared that these folks uh, have really tasted hell, everything about hell. Uh, fear, terror, fire, violence, hatred, destruction, etc. Uh, so when they get here, uh, I challenged our church, let them taste heaven. Let them have a feast of the Lord's goodness toward them so that they can imagine a better future in their lives. And so we came up then with a three-phase plan, and it's grown into five phases uh, as we've been on our learning curve. Yeah. Um, so the, these these are some of the phases here. First were, was that we need to collect and send supplies up the corridor. And so we did by the truckloads. The churches across Italy and across our A29 network and other churches as well gathered uh, thousands of boxes of materials and sent them northward right into Ukraine with uh, truckloads through their contacts in Romania and Ukraine. And then we needed to, the second phase would be they were going to start coming. Let's receive and host people coming down the corridor. So we're up the corridor, down the corridor. And then third phase is what we're in now, and that's settle and care well for those who are staying with us. The fourth phase that we're moving into now is to plant a church inside our church plant. Okay. Mm. And then the fifth one is down the way after the war begins to finish and subside to repatriate and rebuild with partnering churches that are there, existing on the ground uh, after the war. So these yeah. were five different uh, phases that we're seeing uh, play out before us, and um, they're, they're, and we're moving through them and, um, and working on them, and the Lord's giving us these opportunities. So just to give you a sense of the work and what we had to adapt to every day, uh, for any of the listeners who run any kind of social services or full care centers, I... I honor you, <laughs> the mm. podcast. Uh, you do noble work, and uh, we were learning this. So we learned, just to list some of the areas, so when our friends arrived, there's a whole process of documentation. It's arduous, it's complicated, it's complex. It's Italia. Paperwork is our national pastime. <laughs> and so we have to take them through one by one, and they're in Cyrillic language. So everything has to be translated out of Cyrillic into Italian, etc. And then all of them, we have 20-some cell phones, 20-some tablets, and they all need SIM cards and data plans to stay connected to home and family. That's their first line of connection. Uh, they have medical needs. A number of them uh, need prescriptions. Uh, two of them had come off of surgeries that they weren't able to have follow-up for. One is suffering from lymphoma and needs cancer wow. treatments. Another has another uh, serious pathology that we have to take to a specialist. Uh, then they need clothes and beds, new beds and new shoes and three meals a day and washing machines, Italian language lessons out of Ukraine, job interviews, houses and apartments to rent, children who need to continue with school, Wow. Children need to be enlisted in school, transportation, sending money back and trying to access funds that may not be there anymore from the Ukraine. And that's just the beginning of it. 
And that's what our people have been providing for them for uh, over 100 days now, over three months, and just loving on them in the practical side. In that, it's also exposed uh, some weaknesses in our church. It's a great opportunity, but it's exposed us and limits to our generosity and our service, uh, limits to our mercies and what we think others deserve or what they're getting compared to what we we're receiving, right? Uh, classism, uh, maybe nationalism, and who actually has a heart for the lost, among other things. So it's been a massive blessing. So that's all on the logistics side, uh, Jeff. Um, yeah. We, but now as we've come through a lot of logistics and streamlined that, it's, it's starting to, we're starting to get rhythms and, and uh, get down the roadway. We're really starting to think strategically about a spiritual transition for how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, you know, the folks have all attended our Italian, our, our church services, and we do hold some in English, so they're able to have those translated. Uh, we've changed our teaching and our preaching approach. We have one Ukrainian who's a believer and who translates from English into uh, Russian for them. And wow. is a, uh, he's, in, he's retired, so he's out here. And that's been great. And so they're now reading the Bible in Russian every day. They're asking more Bible questions than we have time to actually answer. I just came out of a meeting with a couple of them. <laughs> one came to me and said, my husband and I decided, this was last week. She said this, uh, we want to confess our sins. We want to be baptized and we want to be a part of this church. Uh, just as straightforward like that. And I was like, uh, great. Now we're going to have some great conversations ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And another came and said that she didn't want to just read the Bible, but she wanted to understand it. So please teach it more and more. So we decided that to teach through Joseph, the refugee king and the story in Genesis and they st all start coming back saying, hey, we can't wait for another week to show us what happens next. So they told me, we've all read ahead, and now we're in Moses and Exodus. And why are there slaves <laughs> among the people of Israel? <laughs> so, wow. so this is, these are some of the fun things we're experiencing. But now our approach is that we really need to make things uh, to be a, almost a church congregation inside of our church congregation. Uh, just for the families and their children, uh, like a plant inside of the church plant. And to make it accessible, lots of music they love to sing, uh, activities with the kids, getting them to tell each other the Bible stories, using videos that are subtitled, all those things, and just getting simple and really adapting it to them so that they don't have to bridge so far over to us. And uh, that for us has been um, a, a, a new, fresh approach. Like, how do you do this when they're living right there on your property? <laughs> yeah. Wow, Robert. I mean, that is just incredible what y'all are doing, how you're serving, how God's working. And so we want to honor you guys and how the Lord's using you and how you've served and, and been the real love of Christ extended and to spiritual, physical, emotional uh, needs, uh, all, all of them together. And it's, it's really beautiful. And we know there's so many stories of family members who have been left behind. You, you mentioned that with needing cell phones and different things. And and even see stories such as the elderly men and young men staying and fighting for their country. And so how do you guys feel like there that you're ministering to some of the other spiritual and emotional needs from those who have been separated from their loved ones back in Ukraine? Yeah, that is a, that is, that is common. Most of um, uh, the women and children that are there are all separated from their families. I think of one 
the one I was mentioning who's, who's suffering from lymphoma, um, uh, had to leave her 17-year-old son behind and her husband because 16 years old and older have to stay and remain in the country while seeking a special, uh, the hospital, specialist hospital nearby where we live uh, to be treated and was isolated for over two months until they could get it to regress and for the first time was able to come and live with us now over this last couple of weeks and our whole church is gathering around her and praying for her. Um, so yeah, that, that creates emotional needs, like you said. And this is happening, you know, not just for us, just a sidebar here. That's just that I know that there are many other ministries and got to connect with other ministries recently at one of our X-29 conferences uh, that are also working with them. We're having pass-through ministries or really trying to sustain refugees all over from Poland to Hungary and, and Slovakia and others. And, and I just want to bless them too. But uh, our, our stories are similar. We ask them about their homes Show us pictures of your family. What's your, what are your husband's names? What are your memories? What are your favorite things when you grew up? How did you, how did you meet your husband? You know, when did you get married? Um, how are your husbands doing? Because some of them are actually uh, on the front lines or fighting. Uh, others are just trying to get their businesses back open. Um, then we talk about learning songs, learning their history, praying with them. Uh, last week, we took them to a multicultural festival. Uh, where Ukraine was featured and they had a stage and Ukrainians were singing traditional dress and songs. So they were singing songs up there together, uh, you know, kind of lifting their hands and crying and stuff. So it was just uh, a taste of home for them and and, and it was really refreshing. So those are the kind of things of meet the emotional needs because it's a lot of the it's a lot of the mothers and even the grandmothers that are with us. Uh, that uh, really uh, are weeping because their whole life is in their are in their sons, and uh, in their children, and many of them are left behind. Wow, I mean, it's so the the pain and the loss is deep, and the difficulty is just. I think we struggle to find words to really capture all the difficulties and challenges. But one word that does come up a lot is resiliency. Mm-hmm. Is resiliency describing? The Ukrainian people, and I guess from y'all's vantage point, how, how have you seen the resiliency of the Ukrainian people among you? Right, you know, um, when they came, I think I was surprised at first at um, um, many of them uh, were just trying to get settled, but but they weren't crying. I would I had expected a lot more tears at first, and it wasn't until we started asking some of the mothers about their sons and about their grandsons. Now, these are the the older mothers that might be with us, the grandmothers. That's they were the ones that just began to break down. So we sit with them and love them. You know, just you hug them, and you just pray with them, and then we have that Italian greeting, "Ciao." You know, so big warm <laughs> ciao, and, and and we learn that right away. Right. Um, I've been really impressed by the resiliency, especially of the of the um, of the women, the wives who are caring for their kids without their husbands in a new place no language skills, uh, trying to be productive, waiting, um, not knowing the outcome of what's going on with their husbands, and they're doing it for so long. Uh, they're, they're not complaining about it, and they haven't, um, they haven't at all. Very few complaints. And so that resiliency, I, I, you know, I just think about um, if it were people and believers, even believers from my culture, and that we were kind of all in these dorm room setting uh, things all together, um, if how many of us would still be alive, right? <laughs> Let alone how many yeah. of us would not be complaining, yeah. right? 
um, uh, one of the men in, that, are, that is here, he, his wife is Ukrainian. He's from Armenia. He said to me, he says, Robert, I've been through four wars. Wow. All right. He wow. just turned 41 yesterday. He said, I've been four wars. I have a, my wife, my mother, and two daughters with me. I lost my home, my tools. He's a builder. And I lost my business. They were blown up. I'm, I, mm. I, I, do, I totally want to start over here and be a good builder. And I want to raise my children here. And I want you to be my family and my friends. I'm done wow. with war, but mm. I've met so many wonderful people here through this. I want you to know, I always know that God is with me. And I tell all of my friends back in Ukraine that of how wow. he's been been with me all through this. So that kind of resiliency, uh, just just this just this patience um, uh, and uh, in the face of aggravation, in the face of of just not getting news and not knowing what's going on. And and so, yeah, they, they're resilient people. Uh, and I would expect uh, much more impatience. But um, uh, and, and I thought that there would be uh, they, they would be rough and more demanding because we have had stories like that. But at least the group that the Lord sent us have been, has been splendid, really has. I feel like I've said wow a hundred times. On, it's okay. It's a good Italian shows. word too. We use it here. <laughs> oh, good. good. I mean, I'm just blown away by the response of Serenissima Ministries, the response of your Ukrainian friends, the response of faith, the response of all, all of it together. Just Man, it's so amazing, and I'm so glad we're getting to have this conversation and and to hear how God's using you and using um, Serenissima and how God's at work. Because over, I know in North America, I mean, there's news, there's things happening here in the United States um, that are tragic. There's things happening in all parts of the world, and we we can't forget uh, what's happening um, with our Ukrainian friends. And so, for Christians and church leaders that are listening from all around the world, what, what can we do to help, I guess in, in two ways, to help the Ukrainian refugees and to even maybe help uh, Serenissima and, and what you guys are doing? Absolutely. Um, first thing uh, I would say that comes to mind is the news media might turn the story and the story might change even against uh, the Ukrainian people or it might just forget about them because the story is, gets old, right? And the news cycle goes on. Um, don't let our churches do that. That's how I would encourage Christian leaders. Don't let our people forget these people. What happened was Putin invaded and drove thousands of people right to our churches all across Europe. And many of these people have never even met a Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christian. Yeah. They've never been in an evangelical church. And they're mm. always asking, what are you guys like? What are Christians like? What are, why do you believe the Bible? And that's happening all over and so if, if our church, our supporting churches around the world and our other partnering churches forget about these, these folks, we're going, to miss, we're going to miss out. Yeah, We're going to miss out on some blessings uh, because the gospel work and opportunities grow like seeds, just like Jesus said, don't they? The kingdom grows like seeds. So the seeds have been planted. They've been planted here and now in these months, these early months, because we've met their felt needs. And now the, they're opening to the gospel and they're listening and we're walking with them in life. So we need time to nurture those seeds. We need you to pray and not to forget these people because we believe that there is still a harvest coming. Amen. There's still a harvest yet to, yet to come. So keep your, people, keep your people praying. That would be the first thing. Uh, don't follow the news cycle. Uh, keep, keep the news in front of your folks. The second thing I would be, I would say, 
because we've been going through Joseph so much, would be keep preparing and giving wisely. And what I mean by that is there's going to be some wonderful opportunities ahead to partner with local churches in the Ukraine to enable them to have an outreach and testimony in the resettling and rebuilding um, of their cities, towns, and neighborhoods that, that's going to be needed. Now, we've already funded some ministries from our church. We've already sent money up ahead into Ukraine to sustain other churches. So if your churches are thinking about some future impact, start gathering now and, and continue with it. Uh, there will be churches needing to be planted, and then there will be other churches that will needing uh, to be restarted and revitalized. Now, if God sent them to us, what an incredible testimony of his love it will be to carry them back to their loved ones with this testimony of grace and help them start again with a new family that God has given them. So that would be the second thing. Third thing I would say might be assistance trips. Ways that you can help might be uh, if you have people in your church who speak Russian and wouldn't mind giving some time to come and just minister alongside of them, we'd be grateful for that. If you have people who love to cook and uh, and do well okay, at it, um, remember, they're, they are coming to Italy, so the bar gets raised it's, a little bit on yeah, that. It's so high. It's it high. is. So if you love to cook, uh, that would be that'd be great if, to relieve some of our cooks. Um, uh, if, you're, if you're wonderful at organizing children's ministry and activities, too, the children just love us and hug us all the time. We're like their surrogate dads and uncles. So uh, those are... There, there's a number of other things too. If you have a specialty that you think could bless them, please just get in touch with us. So those would be a few ways. Yeah, that's beautiful, Robert. Super helpful. What's the, what would be the best way for listeners to uh, get in touch? Uh, you can get in touch through um, our uh, X Ray Nine Italy. Uh, that's uh, impattoitalia.org. Impatto. It's I M P A T T O dot org. For Serenissima, it's pretty simple smgi.org uh, we can put an email as well but smgi.org there's a there's a uh, um, place where you can fill out a, a simple form and contact and we'll, I'll just get in touch with you afterward as well yeah perfect yeah so listeners yeah. if you if you have ability and time and resources there's a great way you can get on the ground and help those on the ground there through x29 with Serenissima and Empato Italia and you can serve there well, hey, Robert, good, we good accent there, Jeff. Thank you. you I'm trying. You said it correctly. Uh, yeah, I just I just mimicked you. If I had to do it 30 minutes from now, I don't know if I could do it. I think but you could. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it now. It's, it, Robert, it's been great talking. Um, it's, it's so much um, we could cover and so much we could do. But um, we're really grateful for how you're serving and how the Lord's using you guys. And it's it's wonderful to partner together. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Well, we'd like to end every episode of the X29 podcast with three questions. Um, so number one, what's a great book you've read recently that you want to recommend? And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I, it's in English and not it is, Italian. It is. Okay. I, I, um, been inching my way through. Remember I've been super busy. <laughs> I just finished a book called, uh, maybe you know it. It's called the prophetic imagination by Walter Brueggemann. It's yeah. one of his classics. He wrote it, uh, over 40 years ago. Uh, it's not just about, it's not about how to be more creative while prophesying. <laughs> yeah. and it's called the prophetic imagination. Instead, instead, it's, it's a wonderful book about how God's word enters our world and pierces the numbness of our affluent societies. 
It's yeah, about how God confronts good. royal powers, and he still proclaims, like Moses did, let my people go. And then it enters into the grief and the loss of the marginalized, the grief and loss of the non-people who have no history, uh, the forgotten, and then through the resurrection, it gives them a new future uh, that they never thought was possible. So there were so many good things in that book uh, about how to do ministry in the face of moral decay and indifference toward God. Uh, I just bl- I bled out a highlighter all over the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah, it sounds really great. The prophetic imagination by Walter yeah. Brueggemann. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I hope uh, this one, I hope you're able to give some answer. I know you've been super busy as sure. well, too. But what's something you're doing for fun when you're able to slow down and take some time or, you know, something you do just for fun? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I used to play golf, but it takes too long. <laughs> so yeah, now yeah. Um, I, my wife and I, because we live right near the mountains and we live between the mountains and the sea and we're in Italy, uh, there's so many places where we can do these uh, kind of day excursions and that uh, have um, great places to see, to rest, to stay. For fun, I do sleep. Uh, I, I found how much fun sleeping <laughs> is lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, it's just great to be able to go away and not necessarily do something, but just have the, the joy of the presence of being, being together with my wife and um, uh, seeing the beauty around us uh, and also just tasting great Italian cuisine and getting these day excursions away when we can. But, you know, during the last three months, we've maybe been able to do that two or three times. So, so it's, uh, we're looking forward to some more of those excursions for sure. Yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. Last one, your favorite verse in the Bible. All right. Uh, that's, that that's a tough question. Kind of like Tim Keller, you know, every verse is my favorite one. It's the ones that you're preaching. There's a lot to pick from. That's right. So I'm going to give you my most recent favorite verse. Okay. And it's simply this, Genesis 41, 16, and it's Joseph answered Pharaoh, and he said, it is not, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And the reason that that is one of my most favorite verses recently is because Joseph, in that moment, Pharaoh had just quizzed him and said, I have heard that you can interpret dreams and nobody else can. And Joseph had a decision whether he was going to self-promote and self-preserve and in that moment, he's, he had a loyalty, a loyalty that was above himself, and it was to God. And it was something that Pharaoh hadn't seen. And he lifted his hands and he says, it's not me. It's not me. I choose God. He had a decision to make, and he, cho- and he chose God. And I'm sure that that was refreshing to Pharaoh. And he literally adopts Joseph after. But it was at the risk of him going back to prison. He wanted to get out so badly. His, he wanted to leave those circumstances so badly But at that point, he said, no matter what happens, even if I get sent back to prison, I choose God. So in that case, no matter what my circumstances are, this has been challenging. Whatever the case is, I must choose him. And uh, until he's my choice, even when I'm faced with a difficult uh, decision to make or not. So that's my most recent favorite verse. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a good word for all of us, uh, wherever we find ourselves to choose the Lord. I love that. Well, Robert, thanks again for coming on the X29 podcast, and we look forward for some updates and keep uh, following along with you guys and how you're serving. So thank you, brother. Jeff, uh, you're welcome, and thank you for letting us share a little bit of God's blessing out here. This episode was produced and edited by Aaron Logan. Show prep and research was done by Renal Panero and Christy Britton, and I'm your host, Jeff Metters. And remember, brothers and sisters, let's keep planting churches, healthy churches, to the ends of the earth. Thank you.